0: Hey, everybody, a quick content warning. Today's episode is a tasteful Catholic conversation about typical marriage problems. So some of the material is simply not appropriate for your minor children. Please be aware of any sensitive ears in your environment while you're listening to this fantastic conversation. God bless you. Enjoy the show. We are extremely busy working, homeschooling, and making ends meet, and our marital relationship can get into quite a neglected state. Today pastoral counselor and homeschooling dad, Tom Weishar, is here to share some common marriage problems and simple solutions. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Mladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Meladnik, your host, and today I'm delighted to have as my guest, Tom Weishar, here to share some common marriage problems and simple solutions. Tom Weishar, M-A-L-P-C, is a pastoral counselor with the Pastoral Solutions Institute, who is passionate about homeschooling. He works with Catholics around the world who are dealing with mental health issues, ranging from anxiety, depression, trauma, relationship issues, and more. As an advisor on the Catholic Home app, he helps Catholic families develop skills to build the domestic church, the family. He lives in Steubenville, Ohio, with his wife, Jackie, and their three children. And you can find Tom at CatholicCounselors.com. And the Catholic Home app link is also in our show notes. We always want you to be able to check that out. Welcome back, Tom. It's great to see you.
1: Oh, thanks, Lisa. You know, it's a joy. And uh, this is uh, another uh, relationship-based podcast that I have the joy Of doing with you. We're moving on to common problems between mom and dad. I have a a really interesting story to start with. My family and I, we were watching The Sound of Music together. And in The Sound of Music, the oldest daughter, Liesel, is in love with young Ralph. And it looks like everything is great and they're going to get married. And then Ralph makes that, that common mistake often made by teenage boys. He tries to turn Lisa and her family into the Nazis. And that's what <laughs> we call a very important moment in discernment, right? But I I, I I, just wanted to offer that as consolation to anybody out there who is having any problems in your marriage, that at least you can say, you know what, at least my spouse hasn't tried to turn me into the
0: Nazis. <laughs> you are super great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so funny. Less perspective. Let's try to keep perspective. It's so hard when we're stressed. When we we had all our romantic ideas coming into marriage and we struggle with our own faults and each other's and they get all mixed up in this sometimes horrific stew. But but but, you know, peace to you all. We all go through it. It's it. Marriage is hard. Our Lady of Adam and told Sister Lucia, "Quote that the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan would be over the marriage, marriage and the family." So it does sound a lot like our times, doesn't
1: it? Um, Amen. Yes, yes. I like the uh, <laughs> the stew imagery there, and, and you know, you mentioned too how busy everybody is, and isn't that the truth? And it's oh my God. you know, it, it can feel like wow, everything is it feels messy right now, <laughs> and and yet at the same time we don't even have time for all the practical things in our our day and it's one of the great challenges of the modern devout Catholic or Christian husband and wife that they we we want to be working on stuff and yet we're struggling to find that space but um what i would say is even if you have tiny little bits of time Um, It is absolutely worth it. And there are two big myths that we're going to be going after today. And uh, the first one is the myth that if we have a really great relationship with our children and a really good curriculum, that uh, it's okay if we have a mediocre relationship with our spouse. And the other um, big myth is that if your spouse is not meeting your needs, it can be okay to look extra to your children to meet some of those needs. And as a couples counselor, those are two big myths that have caused a lot of trouble that I've seen. And what we're going to do is we're going to take out our relationship dynamite, and we are going to blow those myths to smithereens, Lisa. I bet you didn't know when you woke up, but you're on the demo (laughs) crew today, so you can get your hard hat.
0: I love it. I love it so much. And I love the humor of it, because we've got to maintain a sense of humor. It's so hard sometimes, but it's so important. And thank you for that. I love what you just said about leaning in too much to our children to have our needs met or, or thinking that it's okay if everything else, you know, if we're doing everything else as best we can, that it's okay to neglect our marriages. Oh, it's just for now, or it's just while the kids are, and then and then the enemy gets in there, right? Um, We don't really notice it. We don't mean for it to Happen? Do you want to step us into? Because you're so good at this, Tom, giving us a Catholic Ooh. context for understanding this husband and wife relationship. What do we need to know?
1: Amen. Amen. And I, uh, Lisa, I'm actually going to start as I often do in a totally random place um, because I <laughs> tend to be I tend toward randomness and rantiness.
0: You um, run. To, you're a racehorse. Go ahead woo! and run. <laughs> Here
1: we go. So I, uh, so I, uh, I'm actually going to start by talking about. How good Lisa Meladnik is. And this is a this is one of my, my favorite Lisa stories. So <laughs> uh so we were doing a podcast, and it, it's true, praise God. I don't even remember exactly which one it was, because I've been blessed to do a lot with you. But we were talking about, I was sharing the secret of what women want and what my experience is as a couples counselor is that um, in about 50 to 75% of relationships where I'm counseling, um, couples will come in with different presenting problems, different ages, different walks of life, ethnicities, races, all nine yards. And um, they they come in under those circumstances. But when I dig and I dig and I dig, the real underlying problem in those relationships is that the woman is not the top priority in her husband's heart. And that is, for most women, the thing that they want the most. But I had prepared that. So I had prepared that, and I brought that into the podcast. What's remarkable, Lisa, is you had no idea I was going to say that. And without speaking you know, a B, you said, um, well, and I'll tell you in my experience as a life coach, what men want more than anything, they want respect. And um, I, I had to stop and think about it. And I thought of all my sessions and then I thought of myself and I said, hey, I'm a man, right? And I was like, that nails it, Lisa. That is exactly what men want the most. They want respect. And that's something, as we talk about the theory here, that is going to be very front and, re- front and center. What is respect? and what is not respect and and how do we appropriately show it to our spouse so um the catholic church not yeah, not a lot of people actually know exactly what the catholic church teaches on a marriage and exactly what the church teaches on a family so we've got theology of the body greatest moral work of the 20th century mary's pope pope st john paul ii lays out for us um a beautiful model for human sexuality, but it's a model for so much more, and that's something that even people who are familiar with theology of the body aren't totally aware of, um, and there are people documents out there like Familiaris Consortio, um, and uh, of course my boss, Greg Popcheck, um, has uh, designed a really, really great model based on all of this, and so there are these different rights um, for the family that the Catholic Church has laid out in what we call the liturgy of domestic church life. So the the, the family is the domestic church, and so the first right is the right of Christian relationship. So we're forming our children in loving discipleship. The second right is we are praying, working, talking, and playing together as a family. Rituals of family connection, and the third um, right is the right of reaching out. We're serving the parish and the community together. But here's where the myths come in, right? Because there's this myth that um, people, and why, that people tell themselves, hey, I'm doing all these great things with my kids. And so it doesn't matter if it's not totally there with my spouse. You know, we're, we're just okay. Here's the problem. That the Catholic teaching is that the relationship between the husband and the wife is the foundational relationship. So um, first, the uh, I, the husband and wife need to have that Christian relationship with one another. First, the husband and wife need to pray, talk, work, and play together. And first, the wife and the husband need to serve one another. And and if they're not doing those things, all the other good things that you are doing for your kids are getting cut off and that's a really really important part of that model and the other the other myth that i really wanted to go after is just that i've seen people in difficult circumstances where their um their spouse they've even approached their spouse about meeting their needs more about about meeting the family's needs more and they're not and i've seen spouses who are not having their needs met Turn to the kids to fulfill some of their own needs. And that can be very, very burdensome and very damaging to the kids. And I've talked, I've worked with many adult clients who grew up in situations like that. And that is definitely something to avoid, that even in those cases, um, it's much better for that person to try and turn to friendships more, service projects, um, hobbies, and other passions that kind of thing to uh to meet their needs. So that's a lot of the theory. Um and I you know it I I all sounds well and good, right? But it, <laughs> sure, it, as as I, as a life coach Lisa, I'm sure you're only too familiar. Um once it starts getting to practice, it gets it gets a lot messier.
0: Yeah. And, and I love that because isn't that what learning looks like? We're all into the learning for our kids. We got to give ourselves grace. We are gonna struggle, okay. right? It's gonna not. It's not gonna be pretty as we try to break out of old patterns. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yeah. And this is very much another another Marian's unite moment. You know, we've got you, Lisa, and your Carmelite spirituality. I'm in the Melitia Maculata, and I'm a Marian helper. So I've got the Franciscan Marian spirituality. But, uh, you know, great opportunity, right? She is full of grace. So anytime you're feeling overwhelmed and like, hey, we we just aren't getting there and I don't know what to do. And, you know, it's, it's just too much. You can always spend even just a brief moment in prayer to Mary and pray for those graces. We all need them.
0: Yeah, we sure do. And we are going to talk about where our typical struggles are in just a moment with the great Tom Weishar, everybody. We're here, uh, he's sharing some common marriage problems and simple solutions. We're gonna take a quick sponsor break. We'll be right back.
1: Hi, I'm Walter Crawford.
0: And I'm Maureen Whitman.
1: We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast.
0: Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively.
1: We want to thank you for listening.
0: And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com.
1: And now back to our program.
0: All right, we're back with Tom Weishar. We're talking about common marriage problems and simple solutions. So, so highlight some typical struggles, Tom, you get to see this up close all the time and, and you really know this, this Mm -hmm. landscape.
1: You know, and and um I, I didn't even I wish I could say I even intentionally did this, but hey, I guess I guess it's even better to say that I didn't. And this is just Mary interceding in the Holy Spirit here. But a lot of the time when I'm talking about relationships, I refer to myself as a contractor. I tell people that all the time, that a lot of ways I'm a contractor. For relationships. And you know, earlier on, I told you to grab the hard hat. You know, we've done our demo, right? And now we're talking about building things up. Um, so I'm in full contractor mode. And so I'm going to talk about the uh the relationship between the husband and the wife from the most fundamental level. You can think of it as like the foundation of a building, even, and then raising and building up from there. So at The Real Foundation, we've got trust and commitment. You can't have a relationship without those two things. And um, by the way, all the things that I'm talking about, we're applying it to the husband and the wife, but we can actually apply it to any and all relationships. And I've done this with people, and it's very powerful that we've got a relationship with God. And um, this model will even fit that relationship, the most foundational relationship. And then there's another big one people miss, their relationship with themselves, right? And um, this can describe that relationship, friendships, you know, and certainly the husband-wife relationship and any other family relationships. Um, Interestingly, even before I get to the the elements too, if it's not there with God and the relationship's not there with yourself, then um, that can actually... Cause you to fail right out of the gate, or at least have you know a fair a fair amount of issues right out of the gate. As, as we get into a lot of these couples things that we're talking about, but um, trust and commitment, two most foundational things, makes sense. You um you can't have a relationship without trust. You know how how could you possibly do anything with the person um with trust? Uh, there'd probably be two places where I see a lot. Um, one would be infidelity or porn. The other uh, big thing would uh, just be priorities, whether somebody's prioritizing their uh, extended family over the spouse. Um, hobbies, work can be anything. And I've seen anything. I've seen everything from um, fishing, gambling, drinking, um, somebody's career, somebody's career in ministry right? Doing, um, serving service projects for the church, full nine yards. Um, and then the other side of things is commitment. Um, you know, I always, I tell people that the one thing I can't give them in counseling is motivation, right? And essentially commitment is motivation applied to a relationship. You're not, you're not going to have it, um, without the commitment. Um, you know, a lot of the time we'll see it tangentially if somebody's priorities aren't in order, but usually, um, commitment is what starts falling when we let other problems sit and then people start stepping back. That's, that's the most common place I see commitment take a hit. Um, but then we move up to the next level and the next level is without question, the main event of the relationship, which is intimacy. And, um, you know, it is remarkable. I'm Gottman certified. So the Gottmans who are probably the most effective couples counseling people out there, um, you know, like cherish commitment. But it's not just them. Or I I mean, I'm sorry, cherish intimacy. But it's not just them. Um, it is retrovi right? If you're ever, uh, um, you know, running into problems with the marriage, you go to retrovi You go to marriage encounter. Um, all of these places have great and amazing techniques, and I'm fans of all of them, but they're all about intimacy, front and center. That's, that's the real magic, the real secret of a relationship lies in intimacy. And intimacy begins with understanding each other's interior worlds. It moves to understanding each other's thoughts and feelings. Then you have affection. Then you have sexual intimacy. So um, And it has to be built in that order. But here's why intimacy is so important. The two big things that people are going to come to me with presenting problems are going to be, hey, we feel a little bit too much like roommates here. That's been one of the big things I hear. The other one is conflict. We have, we have really, really rough conflicts and they're escalating like mad. Um, And intimacy, if you achieve it, helps everybody understand one another and grow closer together. So if you can just focus on understanding each other's thoughts and feelings, take everything that happens in your marriage as a chance to to first and foremost, be closer together, you have achieved intimacy and you've already started working on all your intimacy problems and conflict resolution is way easier. And so that's why you come to me you go to retrovide, you go to marriage encounter you go to any of these places um the name of the game all these exercises is understanding each other's interior worlds understanding thoughts and feelings trying to drive it together um now there are a couple other places where i see stuff um found uh next up we've got fondness and admiration um fondness and admiration i uh, i have uh very typically seen um, where people from their uh, family of origin or with their children have a, uh, uh, either a parent or a child or both, because they're taking a lot of the time people take that uh, fondness for a parent and they apply it on to one of their own children. They'll project it down. I see that a lot. Um, they have that level of, of fondness and admiration where they just light up and they think they're like the best person on Earth. But you ask them about their spouse and its criticism, you know, and it's negative. It's a negative view. By far the biggest fondness and admiration problem I've seen. Another huge one, next level up, is um, is essentially being present with one another, responding to bids for attention. And I, I'll tell you a super quick story, which is the Gottmings, um, who trained me before the advent of lots of modern technology, set up a bunch of really old video cameras in an apartment. And they had a husband and a wife in these apartments. Husbands watching TV, the wife would be standing over at at the window and she'd look out the window and she'd see something like a bird. And she'd say, oh, there's a bird out the window. And some of the husbands wouldn't turn their heads and pay attention. Some of the husbands would turn their head and say, oh, that is a bird. Some of the husbands would stop watching TV. They'd get up, they'd go over to the woman by the window, talk to their wife about the bird. Seems like this really, really small thing. But they tracked all the couples within three years. um, All the husbands who just kept watching TV and ignored their wives were divorced. And um, the uh, husbands who turned their heads, the majority of them were still married. And the ones with the best marriages where the guys who stopped watching what they were watching got up and had the conversation. Why is that so important now? I mean, one, yeah, if you're a guy, you can't get lost in the nothing box, as we say, like, you know, just, <laughs> just drifting off in nowhere and not being present with your wife and your kids, common problem. But the big enemy to look out for is the cell phone. The cell phone needs to be a special enemy in your marriage. That hey, there are all times when we need them around and stuff like that, functionally, that's fine, blah blah blah. But what we can't have is when it's husband and wife time, the phone is not a person, but it makes more bids for attention than any human being, and the cell phone is enemy number one. And Mm -hmm. then, um, next level up, we've got conflict resolution, which I already talked a fair amount about, and then finally. And we do have to um, build everything in order. So you've got to have everything else clicking to really do this well. We've got uh, shared dreams, working toward shared dreams together. Um, and sometimes there are vision problems um, in a in a couple. Um, it's been pretty rare that those haven't been compounded by other problems lower down in the relationship that I've seen. But there there definitely are. You know, uh, probably biggest one is geographically where to live. Um that's uh that's probably been um the biggest. But yeah, yeah. And I know I went on one of my classic rants there, Lisa. (laughs) Um, and I know you have you have insight into so many of these problems. Um, I actually
0: have a question for you. Yeah. you know, We've all it. heard so much about how our phones and all this technology are designed with the brain in mind and that a lot of the mm-hmm. kind of tech uh, whistleblowers have said they don't even a lot of the people who design this stuff don't allow this technology into their own homes because they know how and they, addictive and dangerous it is. And so I also have heard and, may, and please verify or, or debunk this, that men have a need to not think at times. To just literally not be thinking so watching tv or whatever it might be maybe it's fishing i don't know that that serves that need and and i've also heard it called cave time just to just separate from human interaction for a bit right that, that would you speak to that because maybe the guy has been working hard all day and he's really stressed and he's finally getting a little time to be in his Not thinking place in front of the TV, but now the wife comes in and she wants his attention, and maybe she misunderstands that moment where he just has a need that's being filled. Could you just speak to that a little bit,
1: Lisa? I mean, with a spoon, I love, I love that (laughs) question. And yeah, yeah, most, most famously, um, Steve Jobs, you know, who really built some of the most intuitive stuff out there. Maybe number one for building intuitive stuff through. Drew Apple was really 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 careful about how much exposure his family had to technology and um you mentioned two really big things after that the first one is the man's need to zone out is it real it is real yes yes it is it is in fact a real invalid cognitive need um and the, in a lot of families, the husband has a job, yeah, you know, and so he's going and going and going in his conscious mind is just revving like an engine the, the whole time. And then he's coming home, he's stepping into an environment where he's not in his element, you know, and some guys are better in there than other guys with innate skills, but almost none ever while, maybe you could find a guy, but the vast majority mom is like built for the domestic environment is, is the queen. Um, she's, you know, literally uh, biologically has a, a connection with the kids that the, the husband does not have. And so that's draining. That's draining. And he's, he's out of his element. So does he have a need to zone out and, and sort out, if you will, the cave time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the key distinction for the husband. The key distinction for the husband is it's it's not uh, uh, having the need. It's valid to have the need and it's valid to meet the need, but it's how you meet the need. And um, it either, if you're doing it with a screen, it's got to be limited. But I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage that the need not be met with a screen. That uh, that uh, it's not enough. This is a huge thing. I work with people with behavioral issues um, all the time. So everything from porn to cutting yourself to drinking, all those things are essentially coping mechanisms. You know, people are are doing that to help make things manageable. And the key to solving even the most difficult especially maybe even the most difficult problems is not just to remove the bad but it's to replace it with the good and that's what men need to remember in these situations we 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 optimally want to remove the less effective means of being in the nothing box and sorting things out and things like that with something better can it be done with a book can it be done with Exercise, um you know, what are I can it be done with hobby? What are the things that are going to be enjoyable? That's going to help that man refocus and sort out that he can turn up, turn to. And then on the woman's side, you make a great point that women do not have minds that are built like the male mind. So, to a lot of women, they don't expect they don't expect the man to have the need. So, we have to understand the need is valid. The the key solution, though, to the woman being like, hey, I have a need too. I need attention, right, is really good communication and optimally um, really good scheduling on the front end of the week. I often recommend a weekly meeting between the husband and the wife where everybody's scheduling in, hey, here's where in the routine you're going to get your nothing time, but here's where we're going to get connection time. You want to know what the main event of relationships is? It's intimacy, right? I just mentioned that one not too long ago. You know what one of the simplest and best ways is to build it? 15 minutes together a day. 15 minutes. One-on-one, husband-wife, uninterrupted conversation. Um, Schedule it. Schedule it. Schedule the nothing time. Schedule the 15 minutes. Do wonders for your marriage. Wow.
0: Wow. I love that. And I love that it's simple. It, you know, we have to be intentional. We've got to fight for this stuff. There's always going to be excuses and distractions. And we know the enemy is hard at work, but we can be confident, as you said, our lady's going to pour those graces in. We just start to move in the right direction and she meets us there. So um, so what's next for us, Tom? What do we need to cover today?
1: Yeah. So let's talk about um, good, I, I guess what we might call relationship hacks. If you will. Um, I think they we would say in, in modern lingo, what are the really good things that can help you put things back together? And um, one of them is 15 minutes together a day, uninterrupted uh time. Uh, we've also got weekly date night, even an at home date night, game changer, game changer. Um the uh, I, the the vision for the Catholic husband is that he continues to date his wife throughout the entire relationship. So huge, huge intimacy stuff. Um, You can look up out there. There are all kinds of lists on non-sexual ways to show your wife that you love her, thoughtful things you can do. How about you write her a little note, telling her about anything, telling her about whatever's going on in your life, things you're thinking about, um, telling her that uh, uh, what you appreciate about her, what you're thankful for, how much you love her does wonders for a marriage. Um, another big one is what we call intention frame. So, intention frame pertains to anything that's unclear in a relationship. And in the best marriages, when something's unclear, there's what we call the positive intention frame. And the positive intention frame is when things are unclear, we give our partner the benefit of the doubt. In marriages that struggle, we have the negative intention frame. Every time things are unclear, the spouse assumes the worst about their spouse. What's involved in getting there is a really important mindset shift. And the mindset shift that needs to occur Is one where the devil is always coming into the marriage and lying and saying, hey, you guys want different things. You're on different teams and you have to identify that and tell him to go kick rocks because he's a pathetic worm who's more irrelevant now than ever. Mm -hmm. And you need to to say to yourself, hey, my my husband, my wife, we are on the same team here. We all want this family to flourish. If I have an issue with something, I can talk to them about it. If I'm unsure about this experience, I can talk to my my husband or wife about this ambiguous experience, but I'm going to assume the absolute best and I'm going to do everything I can to be thankful in this moment and to pray for myself and my spouse.
0: I love that so much. The intention frame. It's like we're always interpreting everything. Our minds are geared as a survival mechanism, right? To judge everything. Is this dangerous? And we can get really stuck in our amygdala about someone when we don't feel valued enough. And instead of being able to frame it well so that we can be re-energized to do the work, we can dig ourselves deeper and deeper into a hole. So I really appreciate that concept. That's fascinating.
1: Oh, Amen. Yeah, I love the, the amygdala reference, you know, because that's right in or around the brainstem and that's where we have the fight or flight response even. So what that means is uh, if we have a positive mindset, positive intention, uh, assumption toward our spouse, then um, we're going to start feeling a little anxious and we're going to calm right down. And if we have the negative perception, um, that thought is going to rattle right around in that amygdala go to the rest of the brain with a fight or flight response attached to it and you are going to be way anxious and potentially even frustrated and suddenly poof we've got we've got an argument coming up down the down the line in the relationship when we could have an actual conversation that would bring everybody closer
0: yeah amen and i will just say my my favorite god gave me this relationship hack i'll just say it with a little mm-hmm. bit of quotes around it and well i think i've shared this with you before but i think it's really uh so cool is that the holy spirit placed on my heart that he had advocated for me many times with my family with others like saved me from misunderstandings and things like that and so i mm-hmm. he gave me the inspiration one day to ask him to advocate to me for my husband and it really opened up my appreciation for him he started showing me mm-hmm. things and advocating for my husband in beautiful ways. So I would recommend that if you're having trouble doing it for yourself, the intention reframing, ask the Holy Spirit to start reframing for you. And Our Lady will intercede and and bring that about for you.
1: Mm, Amen. That is so beautiful, Lisa. And, you know, some of the most powerful experiences that I've had in counseling. And thank you so much for sharing that. That was just beautiful. And it's so good because, uh, you know, as you might expect, I'm going to be doing that now um with my <laughs> yeah. with my own wife um awesome. <laughs> but I, one of the most powerful experiences I've had is working with people who are dying and um, when people are dying, you get a remarkable sense of perspective on a marriage and on a relationship and on what really matters. And um when I I work with those people, they have found that what really matters is that the couple is praying together. They're spending time together. My my boss, Greg, he always says uh, cars run on gas, families run on time. You know, so you're praying together, you're spending time together, and you're thankful. You know, Eucharist means Thanksgiving right there at the center of our faith, right there at the center of our domestic church. The more thanksgiving, the more gratitude and appreciation we have of this other person in our lives, what a blessing they are. Oh, I have seen people hold that tight at the end of their lives and Mm -hmm. they just emanate. I've seen the husband and the wife together, the warmth, the love, they literally savor each other like fine wine. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I look at marriages like that. And I say, my goal is one way to have my marriage there. Man, I want to have that marriage one day. Um, what a what a witness and how beautiful!
0: Wow, that's just beautiful. Great. So, Tom, I, I know you don't have you know endless amounts of time. What oh, else is most important for us to cover uh, in the time that we have?
1: Mm. So I so Greg, my boss. Has I uh, uh, started a uh, uh, almost kind of like uh, I, you know? Wait, he's he's gotten at, but in a sense, he started a movement. And um, this is the thing that Greg Popcheck, my boss, has sacrificed more for. He's worked more for um, than any other cause um, that I've, I've seen him do, and that he feels the most passionately about. You know, if Greg starts talking about this, he'll just go and go, and he's he loves it. And I've seen him sacrifice for it in beautiful ways. And Greg has developed his model of the liturgy of a domestic church life, and um, he has an app where people are able to join as members. They are able to uh, receive uh, advice and support directly from Greg and from Lisa. Uh, Lisa Popchek, also spectacular. You know, Greg and Lisa, and all the rest of us counselors are in there too. We're there to provide expert support, but it's community too. So people are are supporting one another in having marital relationships and family relationships um, according to the model of the Catholic Church in a special way. And it's an opportunity to be part of a movement, to be a part of something. Bigger. You know, one of the the stories that I, I shared once with you, Lisa, and I think it, it really hits at the core of it, was my wife was uh was listening to other moms talk, other homeschooling moms, and they were all talking about what they were gonna do when their kids grew up that was going to change the world, right? And it was like, no, you guys are missing the point. That that what you are doing right now with your children is what is going to change the world. And it is by far the most important thing. And basically, this app, Greg's app, the Catholic Home app, that's Catholic H-O-M, what it is doing is it's providing a place where people can be part of the movement and they can transform the domestic church the family starting with their own and then even even and i've seen this and it's beautiful and then from there even encourage others mentor others inspire others with their their family life in really unique and meaningful ways and um you know i just have a heartfelt invitation to anybody out there that if you're if you're feeling a pull in your heart from the spirit right now to come join us. To come join the movement. You know, and we we've talked Fatima a lot, Lisa, um, and I. I practice the Fatima devotion, and um, Sister Lucia of Fatima always said that the joyful mysteries of the Rosary are the most <laughs> important because they're the ones that pertain to the family, and the family is the battleground of our times. So there's strength in numbers. Come. Join us, and we will fight together.
0: Oh, I love that so much. Thank you for that rallying cry, Tom. It's so important. And what I'm seeing is that as people start to connect in this way and start to act more like a family in the bigger sense of the church, that God unveils people that we've, in a sense, spiritually been walking side by side with all along towards the same goals. And he shows us to each other and then connects us in powerful ways. So thank you so much. And thanks to Dr. Gregory Popchak for the Catholic Home app and all the work that you're doing, Tom, to help us to find each other so that God can be lifting that veil and showing us we are not alone and we can help and inspire each other.
1: Um, Amen. And, you know, Lisa, what you were talking about there with the the weaving together, it actually reminds me of, of Archbishop Chaput. Great. You want to talk about a, a great Franciscan. Um, I'm, you know, I'm biased, but I'm, you know, I'm going to go for the Franciscans every time. And, and <laughs> Chaput, um, in uh, uh, his, his great work in a series of three, um, Things Worth Dying For, Thoughts on a Life Worth Living, he at the end talks about going to see the most beautiful tapestry in the world. And um it's been woven together, right? But you you go up these stairs and you look out and you're in this this room, and all you see is this mess of yarn and knots and all these things. And then you walk around to the front and you look back and you see the most beautiful tapestry in the world. And what Shepew says. Is the mess of yarn is what we see in this life. And I know there are probably so many parents, husbands, wives out there right now who are looking out and you're down in it, and all you can see is the mess. And there's a heartfelt Catholic word of encouragement for you that that pray, you know, pray for the divine perspective even. In those moments and be hopeful, be encouraged, persevere, because at the end of the line, we're going to see through God's eyes in heaven exactly how God wove that whole mess together and how all of your um sacrifices and sufferings and hardships glorified God more than you could ever imagine. So be encouraged, my friends.
0: Oh my goodness, you're gonna reduce me to tears, Tom. That is just so incredible. Very, very powerful way for us to, to begin to move out of this conversation. But as we our prayer for you, everyone listening, is that that God showed you, like Tom prayed before we hit record, that we say what God wants to be said and people hear what he wants them to hear. So whatever thread he the Holy Spirit is holding out to you to pull. We, we just, we'll be praying for you that, that the fruits are, are great. And thank you so much for being with us, Tom and everybody who's listening. We are absolutely praying for you. So please pray for us too. And you'll find Tom at CatholicCounselors.com. The link is there in the show notes. Catholic Home app is there, a Gottman resource that, that Tom shared and also an article on the final battle that I found at, at Alatea. But, um, again, Tom really can't thank you enough. So great to have you back
1: amen praise god lisa it is a joy i'll catch you all next time to be continued amen all right everybody thanks see you
0: next time bye-bye and that's our show for today our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com be sure to subscribe to homeschooling saints and leave us an honest review god bless you and thank you for joining us